This is hard to do this at nine months pregnant because I'm already emotional. Sorry. The the voice came into my head and just was like, your kids deserve better. Your family would be better off without you. You're listening to the Grow Yourself, Grow Your Marriage podcast. Chris and Jana are parents of three, life and business partners who share their personal development techniques so you can grow yourself and grow your marriage. Chris and Jonna here with the Grow Yourself, Grow Your Marriage podcast. This is episode 52. Is it? <laughs> yes. What was 50? Oh, yeah. 51's the one that apparently didn't post on Spotify. Okay. Episode number 52. 52. Yes. If you're listening on Spotify, we found out from someone that apparently we stopped uh, being uploaded on Spotify at episode 50, so we have to figure out what's going on with that but nonetheless this is episode 52 what are we talking about john we are talking postpartum depression and before you turn it off if you think this does not apply to you it might apply to you hear us out well if if you're if you are still planning on having children or you are in the first couple years of having children as a couple whether you are husband or you are whether you are the male or the female, this definitely could apply to you if you're not done having kids. Yes. So in episode 51, which if you are a Spotify listener, you might not have heard it. We kind of went into why this is important for us to discuss, but I'm going to tell you again why it's so important. Because first of all, we are five days out currently at the time of this recording from having our fourth child. and with the other three, I have experienced postpartum depression at, at varying levels, but I've experienced it each time. So because of that, one, we are being, we're preparing ourselves because we're about to have another baby and we kind of know now what to look for, at least in me. But two, it's not talked about enough. It just isn't. Um, before I, Before we had our first, I really did not know anything about postpartum depression. Literally what I thought it meant was you're depressed and you don't connect with your baby and some people are crazy and want to hurt their kids. Like that's, that's literally the definition I thought it was. Yeah. Same. It w- it was just something that uh, I figured it was just emotional outbursts, things that would be dealt with with no problem. And like we said, we, we, we covered a bit of this in episode 51. If you listen to that or if you haven't, you can go back. But today is more so focused on we are going to dive into our experience with postpartum depression as a couple when Jonna had it. And I think first Jonna wants to kind of bring, uh, bring some, I don't think the word is relativeness that I want to use. Is that's it not a word? It, it's not a word, is it? No. <laughs> okay. So, I, so well, no, you're right. I don't think that's the John, word John, you're wa- looking for. John wants to make it relative. Nope. Okay. You go ahead. <laughs> I want to, because this is about awareness to me, because I think that so many people don't are, are in the dark like we were and don't know what it is. You don't really, I don't, I don't know. I don't think many people go out looking for what is postpartum depression and how do I recognize it if they're not experiencing it? You know what I mean? You don't usually just Google that. And for us, the doctors really didn't give us information. Maybe they threw a pamphlet in my to-go folder at the hospital, but I don't think so. Because after a little while, I like read all of the stuff in that folder. I, I think I still have it actually, but nonetheless, the folder, the folder. Yes, yes. Most of the parents that we have talked to did not did not receive any education about it. So not that I am a doctor or anybody here who can educate you formally, but based on my own experience in the Google, Dr. Google, Dr. Google, here are just some of the things to know about what it actually is. So it is depression after having a baby. Makes sense, right? Cause post, yeah, it does make sense. Shut yeah. up, Chris. I'm not in the mood. For I know you you're not. Trust me. I'm going to put the sound check in there for everybody no. to hear. So they no. can listen how you went from like, I hate you, Chris, to like, hey, babe, let's podcast. Whatever. 
just you know what every episode you gotta just poke at me i am I nine months every, pregnant know, dude, were, and you just think it's you're funny. on the verge you're on the verge anyways <laughs> <laughs> so one in seven new mothers experience this and i'm curious to i don't know enough about the statistic to know if that's just assumed or reported or how the study worked but um the general consensus of all the statistics i found was one in seven statistics are usually reported yes Right. So I imagine it's probably higher because I think a lot of people don't know they have it and a lot of people don't report it. So yeah, if they have lower levels, they probably just assume their hormones are everywhere and they're having emotional outbursts for no reason. Well, yeah, because right after childbirth, there's something called the baby blues, which pretty much every woman experiences because um, from what I understand, now Chris is the hormone expert, not me, but from what I understand, right, Go ahead, babe. <laughs> right after delivery, I think it's estrogen and progesterone. Yes drop like those are pregnancy hormones that are really really high and as soon as you deliver the baby they like basically go away right mm -hmm. they just drop completely so that huge drop in hormones causes emotional mood swings every time we've been in the hospital i've had some kind of major breakdown because of it but that's normal and everybody experiences it i mean you also bringing a new life into the world which is a huge new life experience it's also normal because your body is like cool we don't need these right now <laughs> these hormones yeah so, so they just like release it when they when they talk about women and they're like they can't get pregnant immediately it's like well yeah you can't get pregnant the next day right and wait what well yeah you can't you get, mean like after you have a baby yeah you can't get pregnant like the next day because right. obviously those hormones drop and they're like your body's stressed your body's like all right we don't need to get pregnant right now right but what does that have to do with anything you were talking about the hormones <laughs> dropping right so I was saying also it makes sense that like factually they would drop because your body's like, dude, we don't need to get oh, pregnant. Okay. We just had a baby. Gotcha. I didn't know. I was like, who who in their right mind would be trying to get pregnant the day after having I a baby? Mean, some people. I don't yeah. know. Oh, gosh. Anyways, so yes. So emotions after having a baby are very common. Mood swings are very common. But usually those baby blues, those hormonal mood swings in the beginning, they usually wear off after about the first two weeks. Postpartum depression can happen within the first year of a child of your new child's life. Um, from what I've read, it usually starts within the first three weeks. But for us, we didn't know I had it with our first until I think she was like six months old. Um, and just a few more little little tidbits of facts. A lot of so the causes of postpartum depression are hormones. If you already have a history of depression or depression in your family, you're more likely to get it. Um, and then your circumstances. If you're super stressed out already, if it was an unplanned pregnancy or if you don't have support at home or if your child has disabilities or uh, illness or you know what I mean, there's so many factors that would play into aiding in you having postpartum depression. So for us, I think the reason why I developed it with our first was our relationship was kind of eh at the rocky. time. It was rocky at the time. If you've ever listened to this, you already know Chris worked a ton. And um, I had I had postpartum anxiety more than anything after our first was born. And that showed up as... I withdrew completely from Chris and from friends and family. I didn't want to go anywhere. Um, I, I had just constant fears and thoughts of something bad happening to our child. I mean, I didn't sleep for the first five days she was born. I literally just would sit and stare at her. Yeah, you almost had to go back to the hospital. Yeah. Because you weren't sleeping, therefore your body could not heal. And, and I had a pretty really traumatic yeah. delivery already, so I needed yes. that sleep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was not. I would not sleep. I wouldn't send her to the nursery. We got home. I'll never forget. My mom came. It was like probably day five or six. And she literally handed me a glass of wine. She's like, you need to go drink this. Relax. Go to sleep. I don't want to see you till tomorrow. I'll sit out here in the living room with the baby. You need to get a full night's sleep. And mm -hmm. I remember still panicking like about the baby. I'm like, she's sitting in there holding in and, and we were in the same house and everything, but I was panicked, which is crazy now. Cause I'm definitely not like that now. Right. Um, so these are just a few of the ways, I mean, what? Well, there are a few of the ways that you experienced postpartum for our first depression. Yes. But it really didn't come out that I had a problem because when it's your first child, you don't know what's normal. 
I just thought that I was just really obsessed with our kid because you I were. had never known a love like that before. Chris didn't Thanks. show me an unconditional <laughs> love. You, you didn't. No, you're at that so time. right. You're so and Lola, right. I mean, she was a baby and she needed me, and I and I and she only wanted me. So she re- she reciprocated that love that I was giving her. Like we just wanted each other. You, you both know? hated me, at and the we same both time. hated you. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> exactly. Um, I, we didn't need you. I remember literally thinking that Ooh. at one point. Like I don't. Okay, like I don't fine. Go do what you need to do. I don't care. Go just, play your video games. Just send me checks is what yeah, you're thinking, just, right? Just go to work and come back and take care of us. No, I, I, some, I really I think, appreciate that. That doesn't make me feel like a stalker. Or I'm just being honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's nothing you don't know. Right. No, I think some of that to an extent is normal. It's normal to be crazy in love with your first child, especially because it's just something you've never experienced before. And and. I got to say this from a relationship perspective, I think, I think postpartum depression could be something that stems from the woman finding her identity in the child and never letting that go. Yeah. Oh yeah. True. Yeah. Good. That's really, that's really good. Chris. It's insightful. You're very insightful. (laughs) Um, so I just want to give a few more examples of the anxiety experience because if you're listening to this and maybe you're a new mom or maybe you recall the same thoughts, but you never were diagnosed with postpartum anxiety or depression, this might be hitting for you. Like, whoa, I just thought that I was the only one or I was losing my mind or I thought this was normal. It's not normal to be this, anything super extreme, I feel like you can pretty much assume is not normal. So another way I was super extreme is if I had to drive with her in the back seat and I was driving by myself, I would pull over even driving 15 minutes down the road, I would pull over in parking lots to check, make sure she was still breathing because if she wasn't crying, like I actually wanted her to cry cause I would know she was alive yeah. or I would have visions of her. Like if I was changing her on a changing table at like a public place, I would have these terrible intrusive visions of her hitting the concrete, like falling off the table, even though I'm standing right there right. or I left her with Chris for the first time. I don't know. Maybe she was like three weeks old. Bad idea. To drive down the street just to go shopping and get out of the house for a minute. And I just, I couldn't breathe. Like I was panicked the whole time worrying about if she was going to be okay. If he was going to. If I was going to remember I had her. If he was going to remember he had her. If he was going to (laughs) accidentally like leave her somewhere, put her blanket on her head. I don't know. It was just like insanity. Like it it was really debilitating. I didn't want to drive anywhere. I didn't want anybody else to drive her. Chris, how long did I sit in the back seat with her when you would drive? Dude. And it would make you so time. mad. Well, I yeah. Because you knew. I mean, I was putting it contributed to divisiveness in our family. Definitely. So, but we did not know that I actually had postpartum anxiety and depression until I think she was about six months old. We uh, a family, a family friend passed away in my from my childhood. And I don't know where you were at, Chris, but you weren't, you didn't go to the funeral. I went to the funeral with my mom. I don't remember what family friend you were Lola, you didn't know her. Okay. But you'll know the story when I tell it. Okay. Um, it was my parents' friend. She used to babysit me when we lived in their apartments and stuff. So mm-hmm. uh, she was a mom of young kids and she committed suicide. And it was really hard because you remember that? I remember that, yeah. So I don't know where Chris was, but my mom and I and Lola went to the funeral and afterwards, we went back to my aunt's house, and I just was a wreck. And I drank like an entire bottle of wine in one sitting just because I didn't remember. I think they just kept filling our glasses, and I thought I could handle it. And I was really stressed and obviously depressed. And I got like mouthy and violent with my cousin. And obviously, like, I'm not a violent person at all. I mean, I didn't like get violent, like, Physically, but I was like, right, you're four eleven, so shut up. Chris. We all came to that assumption. I literally, no, I literally remember bits and pieces of like telling her, like, okay, we can take this outside, basically, which is Ratchet ridiculous. Jana. Which is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, please, can you can can you affirm here to the people that I am not like that? She, it's yeah, she's she's kind of like that, like really little Chihuahua. No, I'm um, not like that. Who's like who's like barking up a storm, but then they actually open the gate and then they're like, mm. shut up, Chris. I'm serious. <laughs> no, I'm not. A yipey chihuahua. I'm not an aggressive person or a violent person. That's what I'm saying. During during uh, pregnancy hormone time. To you, you maybe. No, I'm no, not. No, to others. No, you I'm know, not. You remember on the way to the zoo, <laughs> just traffic incidents. Okay. While you're calling people 
<laughs> okay. All right. No, you're, I'm asking you to affirm that I'm not a crazy violent person. I'm asking and you're you to be self-aware. <laughs> Just, I'm kidding. Okay. Road rage. Joke. I I'm slammed done. my hands. On, he's saying the time I slammed my hands on the dashboard and I was road raging a little bit. But in and that was when I was you're pregnant. Not, okay. You're not a ratchet, crazy woman. Correct. Oh Moving on. <laughs> I'm not the type that would get in a fight. Yes. Can you just affirm that? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Except for right now. <laughs> Anyways, this is actually serious. I, I this know, is I like know, a hard know, thing for me. I to had a talk lot of that leaf water. Remember leaf water? Yeah, Chris is drinking this disgusting tea for caffeine. Herba mate tea. There's no crash to it. Namaste. Anyways. Namaste. <sighs> for whatever reason, I came back from that funeral. I drank a bunch of wine, and then I threatened my cousin or whatever I disagreed with her with. I asked, told her like, let's go outside, which is not me. So my mom and my aunt interjected. And I just remember my aunt. I don't know what she said. Cause I had chugged about a line, but she said something like, you're not okay. What's like, this isn't you what's going on. And I just remember falling into her arms and sobbing like, like full on hadn't cried in months type panicky sobbing. And she was just like, I really think you might be experiencing postpartum depression. You haven't been yourself. I think you should get some help. And so that was like the defining moment for me with our first that something, this wasn't just normal emotional roller coaster after having a kid. Cause I think I had taken it on as this is just my new identity. This right. is how you are when you become a mom because I didn't know any better. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, wh what was the next step after that? I can't remember because, and, and we would always recommend people to consult professional help for these I things. Did. I went to my primary care doctor. Okay. Yeah. Right. Right. I went to my primary care doctor and they basically said, you've been on antidepressants before because rewind back to when I was younger, I went through some traumatic things. They said I had PTSD. They put me on antidepressants at one point. So they basically said, you've been on antidepressants before. We recommend you getting on them again. And I can recall telling her, you know, okay, like, but for how long? I don't want to live on a pill personally. Right. And I remember her saying to me, well, you've already been on them before. So if you get on them again, we kind of recommend like you basically live on them. Which is like the worst advice ever. Yeah. And so I was really disheartened. I'm like, so that's the only fix for me. I just live my life on antidepressants. She's like, yeah, it, you know, it's better than not. And so, you know, my doctor, I took her advice and I got on antidepressants. And for me personally, I'm not speaking out against them because I think they are necessary for some people. For me personally, they made me a numb zombie. You were so zombie. Numb. You cared I went, about nothing. Yeah. I, I mean, I still cared about Lola. But not me. But and not you. But like I experienced, I didn't experience joy from her though. I didn't experience joy or sadness or anything. You didn't experience anything. I you, didn't experience you were, anything. You, yeah, I will never forget the way you were. Like you, you were not yourself. You, like couldn't get a rise out of you. You couldn't like. Oh, because we know you try <laughs> to get a rise out. Of I her. didn't back then. Now that no. we have a good relationship, I have that you can leeway. Push those buttons. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> but beforehand, I didn't. I would just ignore you you know or speak xbox no, no. live things like that okay or or control you as much as i could yeah that's great this which is good which i i i don't anymore so you, we're good you do not right you let me do whatever i want anything you want <laughs> <laughs> anyways so okay so this was with our first um honestly i don't know that i ever healed or we didn't we didn't take a lot of steps you didn't really get it no you just thought this is life and what have I got myself into? Probably. I knew you were on drugs. You know? <laughs> on drugs. Well, yeah. I mean, I knew you were on But those, I didn't stay on them. And I knew I knew it was not like I knew that the risks I don't know. I wasn't happy. You didn't yeah, but we didn't really do a whole lot. So we ended up getting pregnant with our second when Lola was like ten months old. Um, and when I got pregnant, I got off the antidepressants really quick. And this is for another day, but I will say really quick, if you have a rocky relationship and you think adding another kid into the mix is a good <laughs> idea, um, I urge you with everything in me, fix your marriage first because True. adding another kid to the pile, adding another kid based on already, I don't care if you have two, I don't care if you have three or whatever. If your relationship is not great, it's not going to, uh, it does not improve your it relationship. It is not going to improve things. Which I think 
is something that we think. And I even remember thinking like, well, if we can come together as one and create a little human, that's going to bring us closer, which in ways it does bring you closer, but no, it's not a good idea. So I, I think back then, because I found my identity and being a mother, because we weren't trying, but we weren't, we were like, okay with getting pregnant at that time. Yeah. I think I just knew the joy that Lola had brought me in the beginning. I'm like, yeah, I want more kids. So that's, what's going to fix this. Right. Which obviously we would not change anything about our experience for, for, you know, we love our children. So, but I think like we're going through this so that we can recommend that it's probably not the best step if you are not in a good place. Well, and we're going to get into this in a second, that this was the worst place we were in. It was like literally... We weren't in the worst place yet till after she was yeah, born. we were in a terrible place. And then we went even lower than we thought we could go. And it was bad. And it wasn't until baby number three. So maybe you're supposed to have three instead of one to make your relationship better. Because basically what it <laughs> came down to is it was just like, okay, now like the ship's going to sink if I don't do something. But that's for another day. Like I said, the whole point is if you think... Oh, having another kid because conveniently we don't want to be too old and all these different things is going to fix your problems. But your relationship's not Please there. Please yeah. don't. Yeah, I I would not suggest it. But or you yourself, know, or yourself. This we suggest growing yourself and growing your marriage before you True. have more kids. True. Truth. So I got pregnant with our second. Decided I shouldn't take antidepressants while I'm pregnant. Struggled really bad through that pregnancy. Oh, gosh, it was such a hard pregnancy with her. Oh, my gosh, yes. So I ended up slipping into some depressive-type states again, just being really irritable and having a really hard time just doing life. And so I remember my doctor telling me it was better for me to be on antidepressants during that pregnancy than to not. So I got back onto them, like a small dose or something, once again, turned into a zombie. Couldn't even walk part of the pregnancy because oh gosh, of the pain. Oh, terrible. Literally, trying to take care of a toddler. Literally, she she had uh, what was it? Pubic symphysis dysfunction. Dysfunction you had and like severe. It was crazy to the point where at one point, if things weren't already bad enough, uh, she actually like fell to the floor and had to crawl around was so because terrible. she was unable to walk because of what her pelvis was going through, and it was absolutely terrible it was yeah and there were concerns there were some ultrasounds that were concerning for our second and it was a very stressful Mm -hmm. very stressful pregnancy on top of having a toddler on top of our relationship not just kind of being there it just was there we weren't bad it's not like we're fighting all the time but it was just there we were kind of just we're we're both numb we were just numb yeah chris worked all the time he came home played video games i took care of our toddler i spent a lot of time staying at my mom's house just to have help and probably just get away. I don't know. So after she was born, after our second was born, you would think that because we experienced postpartum the first time we would have thought about it more, but I think we were just in such a numb survival state. And I was already on antidepressants that I don't remember really talking about it much, but it showed up much different this time. This time it showed up in the form of just anger and irritability and complete disconnect. Um, When she was born, she had to go straight to the NICU. I didn't get that initial bonding time with her. And that was really hard on me personally because um, I had to have a C-section. And so I didn't go to go through the process of, okay, now my body's laboring and all this. I literally went in, just got cut open. They took the baby out of me. I got to see her for a second, and then she was in the NICU. And that really... It was a traumatic surgery. Lindley's was not super... Well, it was because she wasn't breathing when she came out. I thought Lindley's was the one... Lola's was the one I almost bled out. Okay. Yeah. Lindley, our second, was an OKC section, but when she came out, she wasn't breathing and I, or wasn't crying because she wasn't breathing. Mm-hmm. And I remember instantly, I just was like, oh, no, something's wrong. Right. And so even though she was only in the NICU for a day, that was really traumatic on me mentally to be just sitting in a hospital room by myself, never having labored or anything, having baby just cut out of me and just I'm like, okay. I know I had a baby, but I don't know. It really messed with me. It really messed with that initial bonding time for us. It did. Um, And then. She was so hard. And then she was a really, really difficult baby who did not like to sleep. Chris worked so much. Then on top of all that, we ended up having some crazy family drama that happened right after she was born. Oh, and we moved. (laughs) 
when she was like three weeks old. I mean, it was like everything for a perfect storm. So when we were talking earlier about the causes of postpartum depression, I had the whole thing there. I had the hormones. I had already have experienced postpartum well, and we, then stress. We had some of the, the, the highest weighted stress yes. that you can have uh, with significant life changes. Just like boom, boom, boom. Yeah. So we had marital problems. We had lack of support, not from my family, but I didn't really have a lot of friends at the time. Lack of, lack of, well, family issues. Fam- yep. In all family issues, family issues. And then, and then we had, we moved. uh, the new addition of another child who, who was, was incredibly hard. Like yeah, we I didn't sleep. think of how she was just so hard. We didn't sleep. And then, Oh, we had two under two, which is already like, right. It was. So I think a lot of that, I, all of that contributed to a whole new bear form of postpartum. Yeah. I did not care about anything. And I was still on antidepressants. So I was just a zombie. I will never forget a conversation I had with my friend, I got to get out one night and my friend and, what, and I were like at dinner and I can remember telling her if Chris left me tomorrow, I would not even care. And that was like a wake up moment for me. You know, there's certain moments in your life that are just like defining. That was a defining moment for me. Like, whoa, I'm not okay. We're not okay. I don't think we're meant to live like this. Right. And so I came home. I don't remember how the conversation started, but I ended up telling you that I was struggling. I was not happy. And I had thought about like not caring if we weren't together. Yeah. I remember that. That was, I I don't even remember what happened. I just remember you said that and I felt the same. Like I was just like, okay, like, I don't know, you know, and we were just kind of in this state of survival. Mm-hmm. Um, and but I said, I remember you telling me that that conversation was a wake up for you when I mentioned the word divorce. Cause I'd never mentioned it was, it was a wake up, but actually what was even more than that was, I think the first time you said it, we were both just numb and tired and, you know, exhausted from Lindley and just, it was just tough. And I think it was a few months later, maybe where we came home from a wedding or something. And that's when it really hit us is you you said why are we even married oh no that was before we even had kids no that conversation was what that was after jerome's wedding oh really at arbors yeah that was before we even had kids i, thought I was that, like oh i thought that was afterwards you were unless it was after no no was it that wasn't mm. i guess uh, I got we were pregnant up. we were pregnant and i was like why are we even together we don't we don't have fun together because i wanted to stay at the wedding and dance and you wanted to leave i'm like you're so lame john is a linger everyone yeah. if you ever want to go out like till like 2 a.m call this girl if you want to go out and stay out i'm your girl you go out and stay out. if you want to go out and enjoy like a couple hours hang out with me yeah totally <laughs> well and that all comes down to i don't think i'm as much like that now but that all comes down to back then being controlled and feeling like i'm always tied Restricted, down and yeah. finally getting out and i didn't like i wanted to take advantage of it we totally see that in our kids too like yes we do especially during quarantine like if we do something they do not want to go home they want to take advantage of it so it's true it's true it's kind of hard to connect the dots from Lindley to Lena. Um, I don't particularly remember this crazy amount of growth until Mm-mm. until the period of time where it's so hard to like remember timeline wise. Which is crazy because we, we only just been talked five about this. Years, yeah, like that we've been parents. We but. just talked about this, but one of the huge defining moments was your panic attack, right? Yes. Were all three of the pregnant. kids in the picture? No. no. Okay. I was pregnant with. So That's we. Right. We uh, somehow our relationship started improving though, because I remember we were starting to get better. Yes. You started helping me more around the house, and like and that was due to, but not before we were had Lena. Right. So you were pregnant. The panic attack story, which we mentioned in one of the, one of the episodes recently. Um. So you had that panic attack, right? I realized like, okay, I can't just work and come home and expect her to like do all this, right? And then I started helping a little bit more yeah and then and and here's a really big one okay and make sure i'm not getting the timeline wrong on this but when you when you got a job right that was after lena after lena so listen here's what it was there were a lot of there's things a lot that of things that happened accumulated we started getting a little bit better two under two because i was changing you started realizing yeah yes. you started realizing two under two was a lot 
we weren't happy and you started helping more on the house and realizing I couldn't take care of it all by myself. Then we got pregnant surprisingly when Lindley was only four months old and we were not okay with that at first. Like we, we were, I was freaking out because I was not ready because Lindley's pregnancy was so hard. Newborns, everything was hard. I was not ready to be pregnant again. It was like a one time surprise. (laughs) And so once I was pregnant again, you really started stepping up a little bit and realizing like, yep, this is, this is something, you know, we, we got to work together here. Right. Um, the panic attack happened. The panic attack happened during that pregnancy though. Yes. You were getting ready to go on a trip. The girls had been fighting me all day, just screaming and crying. You were getting ready to go on a work trip to and Vegas. I just yeah. was so jealous and yes. overwhelmed and like, felt so tied down. Like how lucky do you get to go get on a plane and you get to sleep in a hotel and you get to talk to adults. (laughs) Yeah. And you get to talk to adults and you get to do something you're passionate about while I'm feeling all this guilt because all I felt was like, I'm just a mother and that's all I am. And that's all I do. And I don't get to live out any kind of dream or passion. I don't even have any dream or passion because all I am all day is feeding and changing diapers and like then of course i felt all this guilt so this ties in with the postpartum because then i felt this overwhelming guilt that i would even feel that way because i'm blessed to be a mother and you know there's people in my life at the time that would make me feel extra guilty about complaining about the kids at all because you know at least you get to have kids like they're a blessing so that all compiled and yeah i just had on this, top of losing your identity on top of losing my yes, identity which is so important i just feel like people brush but past people that. don't talk about it because people don't talk about that it's it's like frowned upon it's like well you should it's be like, lucky yeah, you're blessed yeah you should be just a mom it's yeah. like no like wait wait a second first of all there's no such thing as just a mom but there's also no such thing as like oh well i guess now that i've had kids i'm just going to give my whole life up here because at the end of the day when the kids get older all they want is for you to be happy so you have to be happy now too. well we have to realize what we're teaching them right. it is totally beautiful if you always wanted to be a mom and that's your focus and you're like during this season i'm a mom and that's right. it if that is what you want that's beautiful but the but Finding your identity in that is scary. And I think it's a slippery slope because the kids have to grow up. Exactly. We cannot keep them little independent on us. Exactly. So, yeah. So, but like society, social media, everybody, people, yourself, make you feel guilty. Right. (laughs) Guilty by that. So I just have been feeling this extreme guilt and this extreme overwhelm that I was so jealous of you because I wanted to be happy for you. And I think I was trying to be a better wife at that time. So I was like, oh, this is so crappy for me to make him feel bad. And I don't know, it all compiled and I just broke. I was hyperventilating pregnant in the bathroom and Chris was like, okay. I was like, all right, you win. (laughs) You win. And actually to contribute to that, I can remember I was sitting outside. I needed a minute to like breathe. And during that panic, the reason I came running in is because I had an intrusive thought about just ending it mm-hmm. so maybe it wasn't pregnant was i you were okay but i did have this terrible thought about how i could just get in the water because there, there was a pond out front of our yeah apartment at the time our townhouse yeah. and i remember like this thought of saying just like your family they would be better off without you and that was one of the first times i'd ever had thoughts like that since being an adult and having kids and stuff and it scared me yeah. so i think that was part of the trigger of the panic attack was like why did I just think about that? I'm pregnant and I've got these little kids who rely on me, but something was in my head telling me, you know, you could just jump in that water and just don't fight, just Hmm. let it go. And that's hard for me to say because before ever experiencing this, when I would hear that somebody was depressed and suicidal, I would just think that they had a lot of issues and like, or it was selfish or it was selfish. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I knew I didn't want that, but that was one of the first times that that crept in my mind. And it was almost like the devil was taunting me with it. Like it was a solution to the, the overwhelm and the guilt and everything. So, yeah. So carrying on, we move forward. We start working better as a team. We have our third child. We know what to expect a little better this time. And we decide that it would probably be good for, 
me to get a part-time job. We decided to pay off our student loans. We've got all these goals. We're starting to like work on personal growth at the stage after our third was born. Mm -hmm. I know that's the first time I really started committing to working out again. I quickly after baby remember I I, I did pretty good after our third was born. And I think that helped in a lot of ways, hundred percent helped, but I still ended up getting hit with postpartum. Right. And I, and, and I think in large part that had a lot to do with, I honestly think that had a lot to do with like, yes, you went and you go, you went and you found your identity, um, in working, uh, because you went and you served really close to our house. And I think that also you were, you were kind of coping a little bit with alcohol which was not that, helpful for yeah. the process. After our second, no, I was after, really bad. After Lena as well, after after number three, you were still coping with alcohol uh, and you were working, right? I was helping. I was doing as much as I could. And I, 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 just, remember, uh, I just remember wondering how it even happened. So how, how you had such aggressive postpartum uh, in the state we were in, I was like, wait, I'm like cleaning the kitchen every night yeah. and like things are going good and stuff. And it 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 was a total one eighty. It was it was really weird. I mean, the kids were super super hard still. Yeah. But I just I just remember being so confused when you told me. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I feel like we have to share what happened because it's yeah. I I want other people to know they're not alone because this was really hard for me. Um, I was. We were doing good. Our relationship was improving. The kids were really freaking hard. Um, but I was getting time away and I was feeling good cause I was working out. Um, but still some kind of a perfect hormonal storm came together because here's the thing that people have to understand. You we weren't sleeping. I was not sleeping. That's true. I think that, I think the sleeping, not sleeping. And I still had food allergens at that time that I did not know about and the emotional stress. Apparently I had a parasite. Yep. It was like kind of like this perfect storm of stuff. We did not have community like we have now. I think I was really lonely. Being a mom can be so lonely. And also working in the restaurant business again, I think brought back some of the old associations, the old associations, associations I had. Yeah. So yeah. it was kind of a mix of things where it didn't come on the same. Lindley's was kind of, my postpartum after our second was kind of just like, boom, like a bear, like irritable and anger and, and stuff. This time I, it was more up and down because we were doing better and I was doing things to take care of myself. Um, but yeah, there were a few times that it just, it, I think the overwhelm, the overwhelm of taking care of three kids, three and under was so much, was so much. Oh my gosh. It was so much. Um, I don't, well, this is hard. I know. So, so the total climax of it all was baby number three. After baby number three, like you said, you had found your uh, your way to get out of the house. You were exercising. You were doing all these things, and the perfect storm came together uh, in that one night when you were up putting Lindley to bed. And just tell everybody what you told me the next morning that just blew me away. It's a lot, I know. Um. It had just been a really, really hard day. I don't remember exactly all the details. I just remember it was one of those days where bedtime, all this guilt was rushing over me. All this mom guilt of the times I had yelled and the the screaming and the crying and the the inability to just feel like I could handle it. I just remember at that time, I still would lay down with the girls to put them to sleep and as they finally fell asleep after forever of fighting them and them crying and me getting mad, um, they finally fell asleep. And then this switch flipped and I was like guilty and sad looking at them just peacefully, innocently sleeping. And um, I can just remember that intrusive voice coming back into my head which it had come in before but really strongly telling me this is hard to do this at nine months pregnant because I'm already emotional sorry the the voice came into my head and just was like your kids deserve better your family 
would be better off without you. Maybe they would find, you know, hitting rock bottom would, would make them look up because there were other family issues going on too. And I envisioned what it was going to be like if I were to walk into our room and get out the gun we had put away in there. And I could feel exactly what it felt like and where it would be on my head. And that scared the crap out of me because I didn't want, sorry. I knew I didn't want to die. I knew I didn't, but the thoughts wouldn't go away that my family would be better without me. And so that's when I went to Chris. (laughs) (sighs) That's a lot to relive at the moment. Um, but yeah, so you, that was a total curveball for me. I mean, I knew the days were hard and there was a lot going on, but but that's where you told me the next morning that exact that exact thing and how like you were just laying there and you felt like literally the barrel of a gun against your head like while you were sleeping there and I was just like, oh my gosh. And uh, and you actually told me and I remember it being super chaotic that morning and like the girls were crying, there's all this stuff and you looked at me and you're just like, this is my cry for help. And I was just like, oh my gosh. And uh, and you literally just like looked at me like while they were crying and falling on the ground, like screaming and going nuts. And you're like, and you said it again. And you're like, I am telling you right now, this is my cry for help. And I was like, okay, all right, I got you. And like that, like really set in on me. And I just like, oh man, I spent the rest of the day like calling pastor and seeing what I could do. And I remember, I remember the pastor at the time was telling me like, you need to, you need to um, make a move and you need to get her professional help. And I was like, but wait a second, like they can't put her in like, I was so scared in like a psych ward. Like that's not going to work. So that's not going to help. That. Like, like they, they, they can't just pump her full of drugs. Like that's not going to solve the problem. And, uh, and so Behind the scenes, Donna had no idea, but I, I mean, for the next couple of days, I was just like on the phone all day long at work between sessions, all this stuff, just trying to figure out like what to do, like doing a ton of research, figuring out like, how do you handle this when your spouse is suicidal? Like all this stuff, because it wasn't just like a one time, whatever, like it was, was constant and it turned into, turned into a lot, like a total hidden thing from our friends. Um, but we were trying to work through this and trying to figure this out and trying to make it happen. Um, and figure out what we could do and how we could solve it. Um, and and what a lot of people do not know is that I was, and this is how, and this is crazy how it all ties together at the moment. And people who are in a community group who could listen to this would be like amazed. But basically, what it all ties into is like I was very about like saving, making sure we were good and we could pay off our debt and paying thousands of dollars in debt per month and all this stuff. It's like we're not going to get a house yet. All this stuff. And I just remember um, knowing, like knowing that uh, that me being gone and away from her all day long with the kids and her, her parents being far away and her not having any help or whatever um, was going to be like detrimental. And there was no way we could do it. And I had a conversation with her family and like it just went deep. And basically at that, literally that week, um, no, no, no two, two weeks later, things still were not getting better. I was asking you frequently. I was just being very upfront with her and making sure like seeing how she was and all this stuff. You, you were, you and my mom secretly tag teamed all this. Yes. I mean, my mom always helped us when she could, but you and my mom had tag teamed where basically I wasn't alone for very right. long. Right. And that's right. It's hard looking back because I was, I mean, obviously it's hard to talk about because it wasn't just that one time that that thought came in, but I don't know. I don't know. I was so scared to, I just, I know that somebody's listening and they're like, I've, I've had this and I don't want to tell anybody because I'm afraid. I was afraid that I would be put in a psych ward or I was afraid that you guys would take the kids or that you thought I would harm the kids. I, I know there are people who 
experience wanting to harm your kids when you go through. Um, and that's a fine line between postpartum depression and postpartum psychosis too. And I don't know. I don't know. I think maybe I could have teetered on the line because I had so many intrusive thoughts. Um, but my point is, uh, if I wouldn't have told Chris, I don't know what would have happened. So right. like, I think it's still really important that you tell somebody, especially your spouse. Um, and I don't know. I, I don't. I, yeah. Well, <laughs> I would say that this was something that like, it's kind of like growth is a place you've never been. Right. And when you get to that place as a couple, this is something that like forced us to grow. Yeah. It forced us to figure out how to like, it forced me to put myself on the back burner 100% and be like, all right, what do we got to do? What can we do? Like I never, come on, dude, who wants to live six houses down from their in-laws? Well, yeah. So (laughs) I interrupted that because my mind was on it. So so this was in the fall. This was like in September or something that this, that that the moment happened where I said, this is my cry for help. We moved forward. We were not in a place that we were looking for houses because we were paying off our student loan debt. Part of the reason I was working part-time, we were going hard at our debt. I changed my schedules at the gym, class schedules and stuff to make sure that you always had somebody with you. Uh, that which was hard because was I'm an independent person in a lot of ways. Right. I didn't want to be needy and feel like I didn't want to feel crazy or like I had to have somebody with me. Um, but then on the flip side, I really appreciated it because it did yeah. help my days, obviously, by having support. And and you, I think that I I don't know what my love language is exactly, but I know words. Like you show it, you showed me how much you cared about me after that moment, which really helped me in the healing process, I think. But somehow we decided, oh, our lease was going to be up at the townhouse and they were raising the prices and we're like, should we just look at houses? Like, should we just see you've had the business for two years now? So technically we could get a loan. Should we just look right? We were just like, should we just my mom's fr- cousin is a realtor. Let's just look at houses and see if maybe that would be a good next step for us. Mm-hmm. And 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 to be clear, it's not like taking on a mortgage or anything like that is going to de-stress people or whatever. But the whole reason for us moving here that like people don't know is that like this this house, literally this property opening up, saved. Potent. I mean it. Part of it potentially saved your life. Like, like just, just being this close to your parents to be able to have well, help. Well, we didn't tell that part yet. Um, so all that stuff. So we started looking at houses. I said that. Yeah. No, we didn't get there because I interrupted you. So we started oh. looking at houses and then we were all set to look at these houses in another city. And that night for whatever reason, I got an up, you know, I had all these updates on Zillow and all these things. And I saw a house for sale on the same street as my parents and you were doing the dishes. And I was like, and I always said I'd never move. You, you always said you would never <laughs> move out parents. here. Well, you just never wanted to move this far out right. either. And I jokingly was like, Oh look, there's a house down the street from my parents. You want to be their neighbors? And you like laughed or whatever. And I remember thinking like, I don't even need to look at this. We already have a whole list of houses to look at tomorrow. For some reason I clicked on it and I was like, Oh my gosh, I love this house. Like this place is awesome. I thought it was totally out of our price range, but for some reason I was like, you want to do the virtual tour? And you're like, yeah. I was like, wait, you would even, I was like, don't mess with me. Why would you even look at, right? look at this whenever you have no intention of moving out East or on the same street as my parents. And then Chris literally sat down with me. We looked through it and he was like, text the realtor, tell her to cancel our showings tomorrow. We just want to see this house and the other ones in the neighborhood. And I was like, I was shook. I didn't believe you. Like Chris up until this point, I was the one wanting to get a house. He was not. And any houses, we were on the Dave Ramsey. We were, we were like pay off debt, pay off. But our lease was ending and the, and the cost was as much as a mortgage. So we're like, why don't we just look, but you had never until that point even like calculated anything. Cause I Mm. thought the house was way out of what we were looking at. Yeah. And you sat down and started doing numbers and you're like, yeah, we could, we could make this work. Text the realtor. And I was like, you're full of it. Yeah. Stop teasing me right now. And so literally canceled all our other showings next day. This was the first house we saw. And mm-hmm. I just was so sure. I was like, this is our house. Yeah. I know it. And we ended up putting an offer that day. Yeah. 
And yeah, I totally it was insane. So and my parents live six doors down, and and they've been a huge a huge help. help for the girls, uh, especially when I was still commuting to my gym and working and stuff. We had them, and then the crazy part about this is when we thought moving here was going to be a result of like help from just her parents. Now the 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 story is that we moved here, and we were close to a church that p- provided an unbelievable experience of a community that we needed for so long so that were on the same page as us and had you know kids the same age as us and the same season as us all that stuff and like if you want to really chalk it up to like how did how did you fight postpartum depression um it a lot of it came down to i think the the loneliness and the emotional support that you needed yeah so literally god blessed us with yeah this house and it's changed our life and like not the house itself, but the location and the things that have happened because of living here has, has really saved me. So now here we are going into, we're about to have our fourth. Baby. And there's a story behind that, that we will definitely tell. Yeah. For yeah. sure. Um, so now here we are going into having our fourth baby. And obviously as we are super excited and we felt very strong that this baby was wanted and planned for they were all wanted but this was the only one we actually were like we felt very strongly somebody was missing which probably sounds crazy because it's been we talk about all the chaos and the experiences we've had with postpartum depression i'm sure there's somebody that's like wait so you thought you should get pregnant again and and i know maybe that doesn't make sense to you but obviously that doesn't take away from like what we want in our family and so anyways this is the only one that we were actually like, yeah, I think somebody's missing. I think we're supposed to have another kid and whatever. So I forget what I'm saying that we're excited to have our fourth baby and, and what we think will complete our family. Um, but we're also scared because postpartum depression isn't just something you choose to have or not have. Like it truly comes down to a chemical imbalance in your brain that is caused by all these things and exasper exact. What's the word? Exacerbated. <laughs> what exasperated I, exasperated yes what did i just say i'm not even sure i'm tired okay whatever um so now the reason why we're talking about this too is because chris and i are prepared to make a plan to do what we can to combat it and i do feel really thankful that we already have circumstances like living circumstances that are not going to add to the stress of it because my parents are close because my sister is close. Now we have community, all these things, our relationship is in a really good spot. So all these things we didn't have after one and two, and we only partially had after three, you know what I mean? So, but that doesn't mean my hormones are going to cooperate. Right. So we are going to be putting in together kind of a protocol to work through after we have this baby to combat it. And now we know how serious it is to watch for the signs and nip them in the bud ahead of time. Each time we knew it could be possible, but I don't think we ever really, it still took till after Lena, at least after our third to really even plan for it a little bit, but like we were still in such chaos of little people that we didn't plan. We just were like, okay, this could happen. And we know how, you know? Yes. Well, the biggest piece of the puzzle now is understanding that the reason you fell into all of these things, I think uh, what it was, it was all a result of stress on stress on stress on stress on stress. So you have all of these different types of stressors and, and, and this is a lesson I literally just talked to my client the, the other day, but cumulative stress, right? So we have to understand like it is not just the straw that broke the camel's back, Right. Like there are so many other things that accumulate to the point where then you put the straw on the back and you're like, okay, it's pretty clear, right? And so for you, it's like, okay, would you have ended up with those intrusive thoughts and all of those things if you were respecting, you know, your biological processes in your body, your body craves like proper sleep, proper stress, you know, stress reactions, um, proper nutrition, all that stuff, right? Yes, you were exercising, but what's funny about that is you were exercising on terrible sleep, terrible stress levels, um, and ultimately your hormones were everywhere. And then everybody thinks, oh, cool, yeah, just throw an exercise. And it's like, wait a second, if you are a mom 
who is, and I'm the guy who's like studying hormones like a crazy person because of this stuff, right? If you are a mom who is trying to jump back into this and you're like, okay, cool. I need to get the baby weight off, all that stuff. And you're like, let me just go crush myself. Hold the phone. All right. Take it from me. Okay. Hold the phone and understand there's a lot more going on in your body and stress is stress, people. Stress is stress. So there's no reason you need to go kill yourself without addressing the proper things that your body needs. And so kill yourself in the gym. Yeah. Yeah. So that is, so that is a little bit about what we are going to be focusing on. And what's funny is it's exactly what I teach my people uh, through like my programs and stuff is actually breaking down and focusing on, okay, how do we, how do we hack hormones is my, my program is hacking hormones, right? So how do we hack hormones and get people to a healthy place, hit the reset button and actually help them understand like, look, this is, this is how you're going to create optimal health in your life. It's not just about exercise. It's not just about eating the right things. It's a massive part of it, right? But there's so much more. So with your protocol and what we're planning to build for you to combat this, there's going to be a lot of those elements. I'm like the perfect subject for your plan because I am proof that even though I was working out and doing all these things and getting my alone time, I still was missing some of the key components. And so I still suffered, you know? Yeah. Like sleep. That's such an important part. And all of us new moms are like, haha, what's sleep? Because even if your newborn isn't sleep is sleeping, a lot of us stay up late drinking wine, watching Netflix to right. get some me time. And right. then our wondering why, or, you know, I was working, I was serving and bartending. So I was up late anyways doing that, but we can talk about that when we talk about the protocol It's just, that just kind of was like a light bulb moment. Like, yeah, I was doing a lot, right. That's why in some ways it was better, but I still wasn't hitting the main things like the hormonal balancing because of nutrition and sleep. Which also I want to say is, is you're probably like, well, Chris, wait, dude, you're not a doctor. How are you going to do all this? How are you going to do all this stuff? I want you to understand, like, when you take a nerd researcher like me, I'm the guy who goes to the root of the root of the root of the root of the problem, right? And it all comes down to hormones. So, so do we need to do we need to focus on specific medications and stuff for John and all this stuff? Well, hey, maybe that would be something that has to happen. But let's focus on like what the body needs first to balance hormones. You can balance hormones without medicine, people. Well, yeah, because what we have to realize is just throwing my antidepressant on me was just masking exactly. <laughs> masking the symptoms actually muting all my symptoms pretty or emotions pretty much it wasn't yeah. fixing anything it's just exactly. making life tolerable and who i mean i don't i want and more then, than like just that one doctor said life. which i it like makes me angry to even repeat it it's like well honey you should be on these depressants for the rest of your life hold up like and listen we're not doctors. We're not saying like, if your doctor's saying that, that's okay. You may have something else going on before Jana in specific, me knowing her body, her knowing her body. No, that's, that's not the case. I think the thing is, it's just, it's okay to question it. Doctors are always not the end all be why. all. Always. Ooh, you're right. Always ask why. Like, and that's something I didn't know that I was allowed. Like I always just took what they said and okay, the doctor told me to. So this is written. This, this is it. I must always live on antidepressants. Right. But just, just ask questions and make sure the body does what it's but ask questions. Just ask questions. But, that, but you know, I wasn't I didn't have a quality of life that way. Right. And so I personally am not okay with that. And that's why we're working towards not having to do that. Yes. So we're not so we are going to be hacking the right hormones, doing the right things from a lifestyle perspective. Yeah. Um, not from a medication perspective. Because right. at the end of the day, food, the body lifestyle changes, all that stuff is the best medicine. And studies back that up, by the way. A P.S. Yeah. Yes. So I think when we, the next episode is going to be a lot of covering what we're doing now to prepare for in real time postpartum and how we're going to combat it. And with the goal of helping somebody else understand that it's not hopeless because it really does feel hopeless when you find out that it's a chemical thing. I remember feeling like my, I really, we had, we had some labs done when I was doing like food allergy testing and stuff and it showed my hormones being really off. It showed really low what serotonin and dopamine and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I remember in that moment the happy feeling hormones. the happy hormones. Yeah. I remember when I got that information back on one hand, I was relieved to know that 
there was a reason because it gave me hope to fix it. But then I also felt frustrated. Like my kids first few years were stolen from me because of this and nobody told me I could fix it. Right. You know what right. I mean? Like, like I didn't have and to don't suffer. Have to be fixed through medication. Right. Inle so. Unless you have some type of a, a, an autoimmune disease or something like that, that is actually like destroying your body on the inside. But again, that's right. Right. So, but yeah, but my point is like, it can feel really hopeless. Um, so I'm hoping that by doing this and doing it in real time, we can bring hope to somebody who is either currently suffering or might suffer in the future. Or like, you know, you might've had a light bulb moment, like, whoa, I didn't know anybody else felt that way. Cause I would be too afraid to tell my partner that I had those thoughts or I would be too afraid to admit it because what if they think that I'm a bad mom or whatever? Um, you have to talk to somebody and it's yes. okay. And you're not alone. And I promise you, you've never thought something that another mother has not also thought. So true. It's so true, man. Like we all, we all think 